and it rising live episode 351 as i have mentioned many times on the program in the past i do not believe in coincidences i know it seems like we live in a somewhat random and chaotic dare i say chaotic universe uh with my chamomile tea brian backstage and i have had a transcendental conversation i had a good feeling about this brian character um particle physics phd he did a bunch of spiritual research, had a couple of websites to that effect. He's currently in the world of hypnosis. Um, he's got that sort of Zen vibe to him. You are going to absolutely be thrilled to bits to hear what he has to say. The dude has a vocabulary that is going to impress you to the moon and back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. My new best friend, Brian Bokey. Hey, Kellen, thank you for that introduction, and it's a pleasure to be with you here today. So backstage, we already hit all the major the major vibes, which is love is essentially a panacea. I mean, if you... It's can, the answer, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's essentially it. Um, you know, touching on uh, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, I don't know, a bunch of other... Taoism was mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for a lot of folks that tune into the show... The name of the show used to be marketing as a foreign language. They're expecting this business conversation. And what mm-hmm. ends up usually happening is, is a profound conversation about the nature of suffering and reality and, you know, this incarnation and et cetera. Um, and those two things in my world don't get enough love together. Entrepreneurship and what mm-hmm. we just mentioned, spirituality, for lack of a better word. So mm-hmm. talk to me about the intersection of those two things. Well, you know... Entrepreneurship is about trying to acquire resources, okay? And we tend to focus on the material aspect of that. But the fact of the matter is that whatever you do in the material plane with your body and with your intentions has a spiritual aspect to it. You're projecting your will into the future and trying to create a reality. And there's a couple of ways of going about doing that. And, you know, there are people now who work as entrepreneurs in the financial industry and they never interact with other people they're just interacting with money so i don't you know i don't know whether that's the kind of vibe that that you tend to encounter this intersection between entrepreneurship and spirituality or not is is, does that match the the people that you think you're you're speaking to here oof i mean i think the projecting your will into the future is a is a beautiful way of describing entrepreneurship in general um, and this sort of um, trap that people can fall into where they go, oh, I projected it and then it, it came true. And then there's this obsessiveness that that comes with that, especially when the whole culture rallies behind what you just did. Um, right. I, feel, I feel like projecting things into the future, it's like, yeah, it's a power, but it's not godlike power. And I think a lot of people have that sort of fantasy of just projecting whatever they want and instantly getting it. Um, my son, for example, I think it's a very human thing to want. Um, there's something called creative mode in Minecraft Mm -hmm. where you can just fly around and you can like manifest whatever you want. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, he's like, why isn't life creative mode, Dada? Right. So, so the thing is that the answer there is you can project your will into the future. Okay. But if everybody's projecting their own private will into the future, what you have is conflict and you have resistance, okay? So if you want to succeed in that creative process, what you do is you have to couple your will to what other people are receptive to. 
And what's amazing about TikTok and, and Twitter and everything like that and blogging and all the social media is characterized best in a book by Jeremy Ripken called The Empathic Civilization. And what he says is that when you, we were all in tribes, we didn't have a choice about our identity. You know, we were this functional unit that survived together or died together. And everybody had a role and they had to follow their role. And there was very little choice. Then we went into this situation where we invented agriculture and we had these huge cities and there's lots of choice. And in America, we have had so much choice. Okay. But what he says is that we're hitting the end of that gravy train. Ooh, wow. Okay. You got climate change. You've got fossil fuel depletion and things like that. And so what's happening is that we're having to now learn to collaborate again. And one of the things that social media allows us to, to do is to find people anywhere in the world that actually we identify with and that we believe that what we project will be received by them and amplified. So this is the hidden trick of entrepreneurship that a lot of people get hung up on. They're focused on achieving success. But to achieve sustainable success, you've got to enter into a culture and that's a deeply spiritual process where you are now aligned with other people, you're moving along together and all that chaotic noise, okay, that was everybody trying to get their thing and be the, be the most important person in their world, okay? All that falls away because it's just noise. Noise doesn't lead you in any direction. It just bounces you around like a ping pong ball. So when you get into an entrepreneurship situation where you are projecting into the world what the world wants to receive, that's where real success happens and you attain it without compromising your virtue. Oh, yeah, that, that reminds me of, um, most people know the first three noble truths, the fourth one they get sticky on and I do too because there's the eightfold path and one of the, mm -hmm. one of the items, one of the paths on the eightfold path is right livelihood. Right. right. Like, you right. know, maybe don't sell drugs, you know, if you can avoid it, right. try not to sell weapons, you know, because that whole world, um, can, can suck you into a pretty gnarly black hole. Um, listening to you mention that, um, I'm reminded of a story in the Ramayana where Hanuman, for those of you that aren't familiar with Hindu culture, Hanuman is the monkey God and Ram is a manifestation of God. And Hanuman basically does everything he can to help uh, Ram get his wife back because Ram was uh, Ram's wife was stolen by some evil demon dude, which apparently was his last uh, incarnation. So he's like super powerful, super wise. He just happens to be the villain in this final go at it. Anyway, um, when uh, Hanuman finally comes back to Ram after successfully doing all this amazing stuff, um, Ram says, "I'll give you anything." So God comes to you and says, "Whatever you want, dude. Anything in all the universes. What do you want?" And uh, his response was, "Save me from the tentacles of egoism." Right. <laughs> oh. right. Oh, man. I mean, that's you know, you a know, you, you look at You look at Shambhala Buddhism and the way that they construct this process. The, the, the primary deity in Shambhala Buddhism is feminine. It's mm. Prajna Paramita. And she represents three things. She's the, she's the fabric of reality. Mm. She contains all truth. And she brings into the world healers. Okay, all heaters come out of her. Mm -hmm. Okay, but the thing is that that you know, Buddhism and Shambhala Buddhism, the practitioners, most of them are men. Mm. And in order to attain this privileged relationship with with wisdom, which is what she represents, 
They have to learn to surrender their ego. And so in managing that transition, Prajna Paramita projects into the world death demons known as Dakinis. Whoa. And they have flaying instruments. And in confrontation with the various different levels of, of these death demons, what the death demons do is they flay away the ego grasping of the acolyte. So that when they enter into relationship with truth, they do not corrupt it with their fantasies. Wow. What's the Shambhala? Okay. Shambhala? Shambhala Buddhism. This is the Dalai Lama's tradition. How have I never heard that? That's wild okay. in all it's, my it's, it's, research. Uh, Simmer Brown. Dakini's warm breath. And it's really, really difficult reading because what happens is that in Buddhism, you're not seeing it from the perspective or in this, in this, in the teaching. You're trying to guide somebody toward Prajnaparamita. Yeah. You're not seeing the world from her perspective. And so what happens is every single statement has got to be true at each of the different levels of progression. And there's three levels of progression up towards attainment of relationship with Prajna Paramita. And so, so you have to interpret every single statement at, at, th at three different levels of meaning. And so it's very, very difficult reading. But fundamentally, oh. what it boils down to is the masculine principle, which is not male, can be exist in many forms in the world. The masculine principle is compassion that creates positive change. Mm. The feminine principle is receptivity that bears witness to what is good. Okay, and these two things work together. Wisdom and compassion are the two wings of Dharma, which is probably a statement that you've heard in Buddhism. Wow. Yeah, in case you want a master class in religion and spirituality, look no further than Mr. Bulky. Um, <laughs> seriously, I mean, I, I've gone down this road at length, and uh, he is um, sharing with uh, with me some things I've never heard of, which is somewhat shocking. Um, very, very cool. Um, where do we even... So Alan Watts, I love Alan Watts. Um, I think he's incredible. I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, I, I actually founded a martial art called Yin Yang Wei because mm -hmm. one of the, uh, which is Tai Chi Dao. Um, so in, in Mandarin, uh, Tai Chi just means Yin Yang. Um, mm -hmm. Tai means very, Ji means poles. So the very poles are the North and South, black, white, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and then Dao, you obviously know means the path, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the things that frustrated me when I was a martial artist was, um, there was what I felt ego baked into the form itself, which was right, right kick, right kick, right punch, left jab, right kick, right punch, left small kick, big right kick. Right. And so it, it mm -hmm. favored dominance and power over long-term structural stability and balance within your body. Right. Right. And, um, most people, when they break something, they don't break it on both sides of their body simultaneously. Usually it's my right knee hurts, my right hip right. hurts, you know what I mean? Um, and so I, I, uh, I felt very strongly about that. So let's talk a little bit about balance then, because that's ultimately what we're talking about. Even earlier when you mentioned um, love as a practice, um, you're balancing, um, I forget your exact words you used, but uh, it's like how much you're willing to invest I think was, was some of the language you were using. Well, there's a couple of things. It was negotiating the boundaries between I thank and Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, and, and, and definitely what we tend to do as entrepreneurs too much is project ourselves into the future. 
all the time. Okay, and so we're leaning forward all the time. Okay, and if and if it's important to slow down and hear what somebody's telling you, a customer's telling you, an employee's telling you, okay, because you're leaning forward, it's hard to stop and be present with that person in that moment and actually respond meaningfully to what they're telling you. This is one of the challenges that America is confronting right now. So we've always been a society that moves forward, but that's not healthy. Okay, you move forward and you follow, you keep on moving forward, running fast, fast, sooner or later you fall on your face. Okay, mm-hmm. and the faster oh, yeah. you're going, the more it hurts when you fall over, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and so it's learning to stop and take stock and rest and recover. This is, this is something that we struggle with as a society. Um, so I, I think that um, it's really important when you feel like there's too much, what you're doing isn't working. Okay, is to is to come back into that place of rest. And I use I use the metaphor of peace. And this is one of my favorite inductions is a peace induction. And what we do is we look at the two sounds because peace is a really simple word. There's Mm -hmm. P and S in it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And P is about inner gentleness. It leads toward inner gentleness where you're conserving energy. You're not pushing yourself too hard because when you're pushing your, when you're pushing yourself, you're, you're, you're fighting against resistance, internal resistance in your body. You're burning up energy with internal tension. Okay. So inner gentleness is the, is the start of that. And then the S is about balance and alignment. And, and as part of the induction, we do this chakra alignment where it's every part of the spine coming into balance in the part below as they're resting on a cushion of air. Okay. And so once you get into that point, what do you choose is the, um, is the indicator and, the, and, and the, the signal for when you move out of balance and how you come back into balance? Mm, interesting. So I focus on the vibration, which is love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. that love pulls you toward and then allows you to come back into yourself. Because if you're in a relationship of mutual support, somebody recognizes you're coming forward and they say, "That's let's put him back into balance. Okay, let's put Kellen back into balance. And this is what you do for each other is that you explore possibilities. And sometimes you need to stand back and say this situation is out of balance. And if I push myself into it, I'm just going to increase the entropy in this situation. Mm-hmm, it's going to mm-hmm. become chaotic if everybody is just bouncing around off of each other. So mm-hmm. sometimes you need to step back and observe and say, this over here needs to be dealt with first. This or And this comes next. So this whole principle of balance that you raise is very, very important. And in the martial arts, you know, Bruce Lee was such a fantastic exemplar of this. And I think his was a great loss to, to society, you know, that, that his personal journey um, and the fact that the way that he did martial arts was about being fluid, being in balance, reacting in the, in the instantaneous moment to what the other person was doing and actually reading them and being able to see how they were out of balance and mm-hmm. using that lack of balance in the other person in order to attain success. Oh, yeah. So this is a principle that can be used in entrepreneurship. In, in the, in the, um, and looking at your market, okay, how are my competitors out of balance? Where are they moving where they're, they're, they're have a commitment and what is that, you know, a commitment of energy that they can't escape? Okay. And, and so now 
that provides a vacuum that I can step into. Um, mm-hmm. So the principle of balance is very important in terms of being aware of what's going on around you. Same thing with your customers. Okay. How are they out of balance? How can I fulfill their need and allow them to come back into balance? What they're going to remember is not just, hey, I bought this dress here. My friends liked it. Okay. But I felt really good when I left that place. And I want to go back there because I feel good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Three things. I, I like to think of politics um, the, as a, as a body. So people get, in, in my opinion, and I don't think this is a popular opinion. And no, I'm not a centrist. Um, is uh, they like I see the left and right political parties as legs on a body, right? And they they bear weight for a certain amount of time, and then they you know what I mean? It's left, right, left, right, right, left, right, 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 left, left, right. You know, and that's how we move around, right? Mm-hmm. Is letting the different parties do their thing. And so for me, it's red team, blue team, you know, but we're all just the same people. And there is an energy that can be developed um, in in understanding that tension and playing with that tension. And I think you can love that. It's like um, it reminds me of two fighters um, who hug after just Mm -hmm. beating each other senseless, you know. Um, And then uh, chess has been solved. Right. Chess is an easy game. You just move all your pawns up to like the fourth and fifth uh, rows. Um, and then just move your horses around, move the knights around. Just don't kill each other. Very easy. Just move yeah. the pieces around. No problem. And then quit when you're done. Nobody dies. It's fine. It, that's that's the perfect game of chess. Piece of cake. Just don't kill each other. But it's very boring. Right. And so that's why I think the universe is so gorgeously constructed. Is It's like it understands that the, the stakes have to be high for it to be interesting. So here's mortality. We're going to introduce mortality because creative mode in Minecraft gets boring. The kids don't want to play that all the time. They want to play it sometimes, you know, but mm-hmm. then they want they want survival mode where they're, you know, you got some stake in the game and it's a little rough and you can die and you can lose things and you got to pay more attention. And and so um, I do believe that after we die, we enter some sort of creative spiritual mode sort of thing. But and mm-hmm. right away, it's the best thing ever. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's just oh, it's just everything you've ever wanted. And then it gets old, just like anything else. And then you're like, you know what? I actually kind of want to go back to that other mode again. Um and then the last thing I'll say is there are um, nine uh, black belt forms in Taekwondo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the eighth, okay, so we're talking like 0.0000001% of Taekwondo pr- practitioners ever get to eighth dawn black belt. Like you have to dedicate your life to it, right? Um, it's called Hansu. And I have a friend named Hansu. Um, he's born in Wisconsin. Parents are from Korea. Great dude. Incredible. He practiced Tai Chi his whole life. And I said to him, I, you know what? I just found out that your name literally means acquiesce. It's the eighth dawn form in Taekwondo. And he spent his entire like entrepreneurial career and martial arts career playing with the element of water. And he's literally named Hansu. Like, it's mm-hmm. just this, it's gorgeous. And he's like, you are the only white dude who's ever figured that out. Like all the Korean people know because it's part of the culture. But mm-hmm. um, so that was really flattering to hear from him. And he's an incredible entrepreneur. <sighs> I don't have a question for you. Well, the, the, I'm just going to respond to one thing that you said, and this is about death. Okay. So in the Christian, if you, when you go to the book of Revelation in the Christian, um, in the Christian uh, epistemology, okay, and, uh, and apocalyptic teachings, the seals on, this, on the scroll, what they're writing on, the both, on both sides. This is the scroll of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. Okay. And there's seven seals on it. 
and and there's this lamb which is looks as though it's been slain it's cut off from love when you go to eden and it says that god breathed his spirit into adam making him a living creature this meant that love entered into humanity and the reason that the lamb looks as slain is because he's cut off from love mm. okay to go out into the world to teach the angels to surrender their selfishness and the seven seals are seven forms of selfishness mm. and the fourth one is death and you go to the greek mythology and in hades you have all these people like sisyphus and other people sisyphus is rolling this stone rock up a hill and he almost gets to the top and it rolls over him he's got to go back and try again okay he has no clear clue that right next to him is a guy who's trying to drink water out of a stream and every time he stoops over the water drops and he can't get to it okay death cuts us off from those that we love and this is why it's painful it's like it likes to collect people mm. and own them these personalities okay? wow and so it's it's completely an illusion and so wow. what happens when jesus says not even the gates of hades will stand against me the process there was he goes up on the cross and he says to death come and get me right and death comes to take him and the son says jesus gets it he's surrendering himself to the salvation of humanity and redemption from death and so when it says the sun went dark that wasn't an eclipse that was the sun pouring his its light through jesus to light the shadows of hell mm -hmm. so that everyone trapped in death's grasp would see the way out and that mm -hmm. the way out was love that's right so, 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 so the thing is that, that the reason that we fall into death is because of our selfish, selfishness. We're trying to hang on to ourselves and death provides us this relief. You can still continue to be who you are. I will protect you. And this is the illusion that we have. And the whole process of spirituality and spiritual teaching, religious teaching and the great avatars is that that gets to be really boring being who <laughs> you are, okay? surrender yourself to love and relationship with other people because what happens is the way that this reality is constructed none of us is god we all need the gifts that others bring into the world to complete our experience of life life is only meaning when we give and take to create something which is greater than the sum of the parts and this is always done through love and what love teaches us is patience kindness non-judgmentalism Mm -hmm. Okay, to wait for the right moment to bring our gifts for our gifts to be received by the world instead of trying to push them out into the world all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really wish there would be some more flexibility on people's opinions of Jesus in particular. I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, I feel like for a lot of folks, it's all or nothing. And I, I feel like the church has done a lot to make that sort of the vibe is like you're all in or you're not at all. Um, and that's so sad to me. Um, because I feel like there's so much nuance in that story. And the way you described it is is a really strong way of describing it. And mm -hmm. I think it's, I, I'm not sure I've heard a better better way of, of, of it being described. So kudos to you on that. Um, literally people, they, like you even say the word Jesus and they're all, they're, they're all they're like, yay! Or they're like, ooh! Um, right. and, and to me, it's like, it, it's his, his name is such a powerful word still all these years later. Um, uh, well, the, cha the challenge, the challenge there, and I spent most of my adult life seeking to try to rescue Christianity from its institutions. Mm. The challenge is the same challenge that the priest faced. 
which is that the judge and in his time, the judgment passed upon pastors is the behavior of their flock. And they actually have no control over the behavior of their flock. What happens is, is you have to get your each member to surrender to the Holy Spirit and be guided by the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't write a gospel. He sent his people the Holy Spirit. And every person has an individual relationship with the Holy Spirit. But what happens is we judge religious leaders based upon the behavior of their flock. They have no control over that. So what they do is they get forced into a position where they try to dictate behaviors. And they end up going down a road which creates enormous resistance because every person is individual. Every person is on their own journey. And every person is unique. And there is no set of laws which meet and serve the needs of each person individually. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. The Beatitude says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What that means is the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of love. The poor in spirit choose to rest and wait for love to bring them what they need. And so they're joined in relationship to other people that satisfy what's missing. They give them what's missing inside of themselves. And so, so you know, it, there's inevitably a situation when any person sets themselves up as an authority over the Holy Spirit. This is the one unforgivable sin in the, in the New Testament is to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, to put yourself over and above it. And so this is one of the things that I'm beginning to project into this community to, the, uh, to these teachers is that your job is not to tell people what to do. Your job mm. is to introduce them to the Holy Spirit. Okay, and it starts well, love ultimately. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is love. It's a manifestation of love. Exactly. I, yeah, I just, you know, it's so funny how language, even in my own head, um, triggers different parts of my head and emotions, right? It, it's just, you know, it's so funny. It's uh, You'll hear people do this all the time. They'll be like, you know, God, the universe, reality, like they'll just they'll go through like all like the four synonyms or the, the try to whatever, um, or what they believe are synonyms, et cetera. And uh, for those of you that are listening to this going, seriously, are, like I thought this was a show about business. Uh, it is a show about business because what happens is um, if, if you're serious about um, owning a company and, and making money and being successful and all that sort of stuff, that sort of capitalist dream, um, you are going to engage in relationships with people, uh, with clients and with staff. And if you think they're going to be shallow, you are sadly mistaken. And if, they're, if they are shallow, I kind of feel bad for you. Now, you might be a Wall Street VP, but you're still going to have to wrestle with the fact that, let's say you made a bunch of money, but where'd that money come from? It's not invented. You know what I mean? It, like It's in your pocket and it's not in someone else's. How does that affect? I mean, you, there are spiritual questions at play. You can't, they're inescapable. Right. And you might be able to like escape them for a lifetime or two, but I mean, it's just, it. there will be a reckoning. You know, it's just, it's, it's coming down eventually. Um, so it, it is surprising to me how important spirituality has become for me as an entrepreneur, even though it's not something I necessarily talk about, um, in the staff meeting, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? But personally it way, way, way affects my, uh, my ability to cope with stress. Um, and, uh, just my outlook on life. I did want to mention one thing. There's a guy who made a friend with a crocodile. Okay. So like he, he, he and his crocodile and his wife at the time was like, it's me or the crocodile. And he's like, I choose the crocodile. And the reason why <laughs> I'm saying all of this is because, um, don't think for a second that it's just your big primate brain and that love is, is only this human thing. Uh -uh. No, 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 no. 
I mean, you can, if you haven't seen my octopus teacher, go check that out on Netflix. It is incredible. This dude's relationship with an octopus. Um, so this is a, this is a life thing. This is an incarnation thing. This is not a human thing. No, no. And that's, you know, one of the biggest challenges that we're confronting right now is global warming. And looking at that as a relationship, what is the relationship there? It's a relationship between us and the sun. Fundamentally, that's the issue of global warming, a relationship between us and the sun. Okay. And I know from personal experience that the sun is not unintelligent. <laughs> okay. The problem is it's massively powerful and it's huge. And so it has a hard time coupling to our reality here down on earth. And it would love to help us, okay? But the thing is that as long as we're selfish, as long as the power that it gives us is gonna be used to destroy life, to abuse life, it's, it's not gonna, it's, it, 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 can't, it can't empower us, it can't enable us, it can't be our codependent, okay? In terms of creating a mess out of the world. We were meant to bear witness to the world and help, help to engineer it and design it to be better. So the thing is that that relationship between life and the sun goes back billions of years. Mm -hmm. And there are certain patterns of behavior that are encoded in phytoplankton, that are encoded in cyanobacteria, that are encoded in trees and grass and things like that, that had been in existence for billions of years. And there's an enormous amount of spiritual stability in those patterns. And if we want to so solve this problem of the relationship between life and the sun, we've got to care not just about people. We got to care about the trees. We got to care about the phytoplankton. We got to care about the cyanobacteria because it's there that the power exists to solve the problem. Oh, I am sure there's just so much energy. I mean, so many, Billions so many of avenues. Of energy. So yeah. many avenues, yeah, yeah. for us to get and there. And we're and we've only been around for seventy thousand years, you know. And we've we've pulled a lot of energy. There were some gifts left for us to use in loving reality, and we've used them to indulge ourselves. And so we're at this teachable moment, okay. And you see this with children. You give them toys and tell them that they can, and and they want to stay up all night long, okay, mm -hmm. and play and play the video games and everything like that. And then they feel terrible the next day, or they yeah. don't eat and they feel terrible. They collapse on the floor. You find them, you know, melting down. And so, so you say, then why did this happen? You know, and you teach them. And this is kind of the point that we're at right now mm -hmm. is that we need to think about the consequences of our actions. And that's not just a matter of analyzing them. It's a matter of feeling them in our hearts. Okay. Going and sitting with a tree and feeling it in your heart. And when I do this, there's just thousands and tens of thousands of years there. And this enormous patience. Uh, there's a guy named Buner who, who wrote a book called The, Seek, the Lost Language of, of Plants. And what he says mm -hmm. is that when a wounded animal goes and sits underneath a bush, the bush changes its chemistry to produce what? substances that heal the animal. I did not know that. Yeah. You I know, knew that the, the, this whole fungal... Um, I always forget the word and you probably know because you're Mr. Vocabulary, but I just put you on the spot. But it's that it's the um, network of root structure. Right. My, my, mito, my, 
I can't remember. What it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I'm, I'm I can't grab it. Yeah. You're good. Um, the biosome or something like that, dude. Yeah, it's yeah, wild, yeah. though. I mean, it, the mm-hmm. the the level of communication, the the transfer of nutrients mm-hmm. from one plant to another. Mm-hmm. Um, I have long said that the Earth is an organism. To me, that is as obvious as like you know, I'm holding a can of fizzy pop, whatever uh, right. seltzer water. Like the Earth's an organism. I just is. Sorry. And if you, if you have some problem with that, then I don't know. I don't know how to get you to, to believe it. Um, I really have no idea. I can I can list like a number of, of things that seem fairly readily apparent to me. I mean, literally uh, underneath the Earth's crust is this red liquid that if you pour it out, the whole thing dies. <laughs> wow. Isn't that wild? You know what I mean? Like literally like just, just pour out half of the space liquid inside of this thing and it, it, it will just die. Right. So mm-hmm. tell me that's not alive. Explain to me how it's not alive. Um, it, you know, it, it's got an immune system. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it's constantly trying to find equilibrium. It, it's just amazing. And one of my favorite, um, and we're going past time. I don't care. Can you stick around for a minute? Sure. Um, uh, one of my favorite graphics of, uh, of, the, of the solar system is not that static. The sun isn't moving graphic. Um, it's the don't forget the sun is moving at 500,000 miles per hour through mm-hmm. space. I mean, that thing's flying. We're just, we're like, we're on a, we're on a space cruise, you know, we're going somewhere, you know what I mean? Um, And, uh, you know, the guy who was talking about the space cruise is thousands of miles away. You know, I, we just, we just crossed a lot of space, you know, just in this conversation. Um, So, I mean, what does that all mean in the end? Um, I'm very positive for humanity. I, I remain just an optimist on all this stuff. Um, I think we're going to solve a lot of, a lot of our problems. Um, do you feel that same way? Um, I think that we are in this fortunate position where the people that are preventing us from solving problems are divorcing themselves from reality. And we're no longer interesting to them because there's, they don't think that there's any resources down here. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is that there's this unique opportunity for us to band together and use these mechanisms of attention and creativity that, you know, going beyond that thing of saying, how much money am I making as an opportunity and thinking instead, how much value am I creating? Okay. In the world and, 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 and giving and taking an equal measure. Um, but projecting that more broadly, okay. And thinking about what value does humanity create? And Rifkin writes about this. He says that we need to extend our compassion, not just to each other, but to the whole world. And I think that when when the most interesting thing that you can do is go out and plant a seed in the ground. And there's a fascinating story about a project in a prison project where they, they put up a prison garden. And these men and women would come out and put a seed in the ground and see it grow and care for it. And what they said was, this is the first time I ever had anything to care for in my life. It's always been a constant struggle, you know, just getting down to these really simple things and connecting to the foundations of reality. There's a lot of answers there in those things that we've been ignoring. And because people that drift off, these elites drift off into the space of abstraction where money is is meaningless it doesn't really connect to the creation of value um you're just pushing it back and forth across borders and taking some by as taking some off as it goes by we now get to this point where we can actually pay attention to what's really important and act coherently to solve the problems that we confront yeah 
I am hopeful. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not impressed, I don't know what's going to impress you. Uh, I just don't. <laughs> um, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. I want to make sure that Brian has a chance to be a selfish capitalist, if that is his choosing, uh, to uh, let you know where you can reach him, how you can reach him. Uh, we, we spent about, oh, I don't know, zero seconds talking about hypnosis, um, which uh, just goes to show my thesis on advertising in uh, 2021, 2022, which is you do business with people you know, like, and trust. Um, and so maybe that's talking about your business. Maybe it's not. Many times it's not. Spoiler alert. Um, so, Brian, I genuinely appreciate the uh, conversation, the depth, and your obvious uh, research is really impressive. So why don't you let the folks know where they can reach you? Yeah, you can reach me on the web um, at www.hypnosisrisingca.com or hypnosisrising.com. My phone number is 805-775-6716. And as regards hypnotherapy, part of the reason why we have trouble understanding what's happening at the root level of reality is that our mind is broken into two parts. The conscious mind tries to manifest our social ambitions and the subconscious mind manages our well-being down at the deep cellular level. And so what happens is that those parts of us, because the social reality is so important, the conscious mind doesn't talk to the subconscious very much. And what I do as a hypnotherapist is help to bring those two parts of the mind together to have a conversation. And it's really, really transformative. It's beautiful work. I feel blessed to be able to do it. And if you're struggling with feeling like you're not connecting to what's really important, um, just contact me. I do teletherapy. I can work with people anywhere in the world. Um, and I'd be happy to share with you incredible and anyone who has rising in their company name is good in my book <laughs> ladies and gentlemen you all know the drill 10 30 a.m pacific standard time join us for the live show youtube.com forward slash sender rising if you're listening after the fact like the vast majority of people do itunes spotify uh youtube facebook etc we love you and appreciate you um we will see you all for uh monday's episode i'm out tomorrow but a uh, special shout out to brian bulky for killing it on today's show and we'll see you all later. Callan, thank you for the framing and thank you for guiding us this, this whole conversation. Yes, Bye, sir. Friend. Bye, guys.